This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly podcast, you will get the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, and baseball from HOL's Sean Callahan, Robin Washette, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus, and Greg Peterson. Now, here's your host, HuskerOnline.com publisher, Sean Callahan. And welcome to another edition of the Husker Online Show. We are in a special show today as uh, we will break down the Kansas City Rivals camp and uh, talk a lot of recruiting today uh, as uh, I caught up with Rivals.com national recruiting expert Mike Farrell uh, as well as Josh Hemholt, uh, Rivals, and then uh, future Husker Matt Farniak uh, who will be in Lincoln to start his college career in just a couple of weeks um, was at the camp as well watching his brother so we talked with him but um, want to start off the show with Nate Klaus as uh, we get some thoughts. Uh, this camp was held in Kansas City at Rockhurst High School. We had several of the top area players there, uh, 14 uh, in-state players there. Really, a who's who of in-state players showed up to this event. Uh, but then you had Javon McQuitty there as well, Nebraska's wide receiver commit, and another of uh, and a number of other guys, Nate, uh, that Nebraska has offered and is targeting pretty heavily. Yeah, a lot of underclassmen too, which is uh, and all those guys really performed well. We talk about Trevor Trout, a defensive lineman out of St. Louis. The, he's a 2018 prospect, earned himself a five-star challenge. Was the D-line MVP there? Cameron Babb, the 2018 wide receiver out of Christian Brothers College High School in St. Louis. He was uh, the teammate of 2016 running back signee Trey Bryant. He also performed performed very well there. So uh, the state of Nebraska well represented, and then like you said a lot of Nebraska targets especially underclassmen uh, did extremely well down in the camp how many guys I know going in the projected list had about 15 Husker offer guys there how many did it end up being when it was all said and done it was right over 10 uh, a little over 10 guys that, that currently have held offers from Nebraska uh, that were down there and uh, and really all those guys they, they were right there amongst the, the top performers at the camp a lot of those guys though were coming off of performing at the Chicago Nike camp on Saturday so so they were in Chicago on Saturday, uh, went through that camp, and then drove. Uh, in most cases, uh, from Chicago to, or yeah, from Chicago to Kansas City. So uh, some of them did have some dead legs there, and, and were you could tell that they were a little bit uh, wore down. But definitely a lot of a lot of talent there. And I knew that was going to be an issue when there's really only two major events in the Midwest, and they happen to be on the same weekend. It really did split the talent pool. Still a, a great group of prospects. Um, you know, in, in Kansas City. But, yeah, you probably lost a, a good 15 or 20 guys or more that you would have liked to have had there just because of the nature of two camps going on in one weekend. Yeah, you, you definitely lost uh, at least 15 to 20 guys from, from those two camps. but And then you had probably another 15 to 20 guys who weren't at full speed because they went to both camps. But I think you have to give a lot of credit to those kids and to the parents that, that were shuttling their kids all over the country. But you have to give a lot of credit to those kids who, who went to both camps uh, and were all about competing. I talked with a couple of those guys and, and said, hey, you know, how did you you know come to the conclusion that you're going to do both camps? And they said, look, this is my, my one shot that I have to go against some of the best talent in the country and, and definitely some of the best talent in this region. And I'm out here to compete. I'm out here to get better. And, and I'm out here to, to show people what I'm all about. And I like that attitude when, when you're talking to kids um, who they're not concerned about uh, necessarily their their star rating and, and what offers they hold. They're they're all about competing and, and getting better. And I like they see that. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus. As we talk about this Kansas City Rivals camp, let's start with Nebraska commits that were in attendance 
First Beatrice's Cameron Jurgens, a 2018 uh, tight end, kind of slash athlete, somebody, Nate, that can play uh, a lot of positions. But you'll hear Mike Farrell and Josh Himmel talk about this later. Um, it, it's somewhat surprising. Our Rivals.com uh, colleagues, uh, they're adamant that this guy should be playing defense and not tight end, but he looked pretty darn good at tight end to me uh, in this camp on Sunday. Well, there's no question. He was probably the best tight end in attendance. And he's 6'3", 240 pounds. Uh, now, I will say this. he There are times when he fights the ball. Maybe he's not the most natural pass catcher out there. But he is so physical and, and can run very well at his size that uh, he was just he was a load to handle. There's not very many linebackers or, or safeties out there that could cover this kid. And uh, time after time, he went out and, and made spectacular plays all, all day long. So there's no question, regardless of position, I think there's no question that he's one of the top overall prospects in the country. And what's interesting is so he comes home from competing in Kansas City and all of a sudden uh, Monday or, or Tuesday this this past week, Ohio State is at his school. And I think that that pretty much validates the type of prospect that Cameron Jurgens is. Uh, and then you look at what he's done on track and field this year. He's got, you know, uh, top one or two throws in the shot put and discus in the entire country for his, his age group he's just uh he's an elite prospect yeah 16 years old it's hard to believe and then j bob McQuitty, uh he was one of those guys that did the chicago kansas city tour uh, he drove he didn't fly so lots of car time on saturday night uh, to get back to his home area of kansas city and uh, missouri he's a columbia guy but uh, the, i'm guessing they probably drove back to columbia nate and then or then kansas city or did they stay the night in in um Kansas City, at least. No, they uh, they drove back to, to Columbia from that. So they went. They drove from Columbia to Chicago, Chicago to Kansas City, Kansas City to Columbia, all in pretty much <laughs> right right away, one right after the other. And and he's a kid. I mean, look, uh, he's a four star prospect, one of the top wide receivers in the country. Has tremendous hands and is very physical. Uh, he's a big bodied guy. Quick. He's quick, and and he didn't display quite the quickness or or the spring in his step that that. I think that he has in the past and that's because his legs were a little dead from all the all the uh, competition and, and all the car time but he's still there's no question he's still one of the top wide receivers out there and, and a big addition a big part of this recruiting class that Nebraska has going you're listening here to the Husker Online Show Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we we go through this Kansas City Rivals camp now a lot of in-state guys were there um, and you know these were a lot of guys that we wanted to see in action just to kind of see how they performed if there's a guy or two that you think helped their case that maybe doesn't have that big offer yet who would it be well you, I, I think you have to look along the lines first of all I think Tyler Sheree uh, Bellevue West and then Patrick Arnold at Gretna I think both those interior offensive linemen both uh, helped our stock I think they stacked up with uh, is you know as some of the best interior linemen at the camp overall uh, they, they definitely they both won more reps than they lost uh, and then uh, another kid that really I think helped his stock uh, was Logan Strom I wasn't sure exactly what to see out of you know what to expect out of him I thought he went Went out and performed extremely well at, at tight end. Um, obviously, he's got the size. And he's a massive target out there, but he showed great hands. And he, for for being 6'8", 240, or 6'7", 240, whatever he is, I thought he has, uh, you know, he's a pretty fluid athlete and has great body control. And, and I was impressed by that. I Like, again, I, I had never seen him perform in that type of setting. And so he's a kid, I, I think, that, uh, you know, really solidified himself as a legitimate prospect. And uh, I think validated 
validates the reason why he's getting a lot of these offers. Well, and what's interesting to me about Logan Stromnate is you can tell this guy has not spent a lot of time in the weight room. I mean, it, it, really no time. I mean, his shoulder base and his arms, you know, once he starts lifting, his shoulders and his upper body and, and lower body are, are going to really even develop more. Yeah, I think that uh, once he concentrates on, on one sport, you know, obviously he's a multi-sport athlete right now. And once he's able to, to, you know, have a little bit more time in the weight room concentrating on one sport, this kid is going to blossom. And, and it's going to be interesting to see which route he decides to go. I know he's still kind of figuring out if, if he wants to do basketball in college or if he wants to do football. But something right now, something tells me that, that he's, you know, his, uh, his future is, might be a little bit um, brighter on, on the football field. I think there might be... Um, a higher ceiling on that football field right now. And lastly, Nate, uh, while we were at the camp on Sunday morning, Nebraska did pick up verbal commitment number nine on the offensive line. Let Husker fans know about this latest Husker. Yeah, so Sunday morning, right as the camp was getting underway, Matt Sichterman, who had been in Lincoln for an, an unofficial visit, um, committed to the committed to Nebraska. He's a 6'5", 270-pound offensive tackle out of Kings Mills, Ohio, um, and really is a kid that Nebraska uh, went all out to get. They they love this kid's versatility. They like the way he plays. He's obviously he's a, a tackle, um, you know, a long lean tackle body, and that's a position of need. But I think he's athletic enough that he could potentially play all across the line. And then you watch this kid's film and just see, you know, how athletic he is, the way that he plays the game. He is big, mean, and nasty out there, um, you know, and, and extremely versatile. And, and that's why Nebraska went all out on this kid and um, you know he's got about 25 offers uh, doesn't have you know some of the bigger offers I know that was one thing that some people were kind of questioning but uh, I look at Matt Sichterman as a kid who it, it, had he been playing at 285 pounds 290 pounds last year he would have every big offer in the country I think Nebraska did a great job of identifying him and he's going to be a kid who going into his senior year and throughout his senior year uh, you know gets more and more attention from some bigger colleges so I, I think he's a huge addition to this class I, I kind of I compare him to Nick Gates a little bit just with his athleticism and his versatility Nick Gates played both sides in the line uh, could play uh, left tackle right tackle it could even in, even played interior line a little bit in in high school and um, is extremely athletic just like Sichterman so I, I think this is a huge addition all right the Huskers are up now to nine commits number 14 in the rivals.com team rankings and when we come back here uh, I caught up with Rivals.com's national recruiting analyst, Mike Farrell. You're going to want to hear what he had to say. Farrell is always very controversial, and he had some comments uh, that are sure to get a rise out of some Husker fans. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan now in Kansas City for our special edition of the Husker Online Show. We're joined by Rivals.com national recruiting expert Mike Farrell here in Kansas City. First of all, Mike, it's always great to see you out here in Kansas City. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, it's always good to talk Nebraska football, even though the fans uh, think a little differently sometimes about what I have to say. But it's been an exciting year for Nebraska recruiting-wise. I think the, the most exciting since, uh, what, like a decade. Yeah, when you, I mean, it kind of goes back to that 2005 class when Callahan had the Marlon Luckies yep. and, and all those guys in that class. Yeah, and you know what was important about that is because they, they had a connection out in California. They utilized that connection. They recruited uh, more globally, uh, not globally, but, but, you know, more regionally and nationally. Um, you know, and when Mike Riley came in, 
he had a good reputation out west, and, and he's a good coach, and he was selling an inferior product at Oregon State, and I know Oregon State fans will take, take uh, offense to that, but when you, when you give him the keys to something like a Nebraska program with a great fan base and, and such a great tradition, I, I knew he would do well. Uh, I didn't think he would do this well in California, though. Well, yeah, he was the head coach of the San Diego Chargers, offensive coordinator at USC, obviously at Oregon State for years, so lots of time out there on the West Coast. I mean, do you think that's the biggest factor, or do you think the Keyshawn connection has maybe been even the bigger factor? Well, I think what they did last year really set the table. You know, I mean, that wasn't the Keyshawn factor last year in California. The satellite camp certainly helped. His reputation, as you mentioned, you know, being a Southern California, uh, having Southern California connections, the, the recruiting job he did at Oregon State in California helped. And Mike Riley is one of the class guys in this industry. He's one of those guys that parents are going to gravitate towards, that they're going to feel comfortable because Nebraska is a destination program. You're going to recruit most of your kids that are going to be living away from home. So you're going to want to send your kid to somebody you trust. And I think Mike Riley is one of the most trustworthy head coaches out there. So I think that plays a factor. We're joined by Rivals.com's national recruiting expert, Mike Farrell, here in Kansas City at the Rivals Camp Series event. And um, you look at this class from Nebraska, it's 15 or in that range right now, eight commits, but a lot of other big names um, you know, that will come involved in this class. But let's talk first about some of the bigger names. Uh, Tristan Jebby in Nebraska lands uh, right now the highest-ranked quarterback out of the state of California. Yeah, you know what? Um, this is a kid that's got a lot of ability. Um, obviously, you, you look at the Keyshawn factor there, uh, them being teammates and really good friends. He's very, very skinny. Um, but you know what? Skinny isn't something that scares me as much anymore after Jared Goff became the number one pick in the NFL draft. And, and I'm not comparing him to Jared Goff because I think Jared Goff had, uh, was a little bit more developmentally, uh, you know, uh, he, he was further along developmentally at this stage. But um, this is a kid who's got a live arm, who's an accurate uh, passer. Uh, he, he could do everything you're looking for, just needs to fill out that frame. And I think if he does, um, you know, the one-two punch they have a quarterback for the last two years, one of those guys is going to pan out. As we know, with four-star quarterbacks back-to-back, -back, rarely do you have one red shirt and then wait behind the other one. One of those two guys is going to pan out, and that's what you need. You need to get a high-level quarterback every year, uh, and then if you lose one to transfer or, or, or whatever, you still have your guy. And I think Gebby is certainly one of those guys who could be, you know, a three-year starter in the Big Ten. What's your take on why USC, UCLA kind of were late on him? I mean, is the recruiting ranking, the exposure was not a problem with this guy. But, um, you know, those types of programs typically, I call it the California country club type quarterback, the guy with the hairdo that just never goes to Nebraska, is going to Nebraska. I mean, how did this guy get to Nebraska away from those teams? Well, you know, it is interesting. It's a very, it's a seven-on-seven -seven world out there it's a, a lot about connections um, you know I think USC and UCLA are a little bit slow to offer and a little bit picky um, you know in, in USC's you know listen they're they're all set at quarterback I mean they they got the corral kid for next year that they targeted and he's a five-star and you know they really didn't I don't think need to offer a whole lot of kids UCLA a little different um, you know it, it's interesting you know who they recruit and who they go after I, I would have thought that more Pac-12 teams, not just those two, would have come after this kid a little bit earlier. And maybe it's the frame, you know, maybe it's it's the fact that they wonder how big he can get. But but listen, if you look at, again, the example, you know, Matt Ryan was a skinny kid out of high school. Jared Goff is a super skinny kid out of high school. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Maybe they knew 
you know, with, with Keyshawn's connections, maybe they saw the writing on the wall that Keyshawn's son was going to go to Nebraska and Gebby and he were a package deal. I don't know. But when you get an old Miss offering a kid, you know, across the country and they do pretty good developing players and recruit at a high level and you see the locals not offering them, maybe it's just slower. They wanted to see him in the camps this summer. I, I don't have an explanation, though. We're joined by Mike Farrell here on the Husker Online Show. And you look at Nebraska's offense, and you know you don't see a lot of teams running this traditional under-center pro style. Everything has kind of gone to the spread, check to the sidelines. Um, if you're a high-profile quarterback um, thinking about the next level, how attractive are the Michigan States, the Nebraskas, the Wisconsins, some of these offenses that are going to maybe get you better or get you geared up better for the pros? Uh, you know, I would think it would be attractive. I think there was a, a movement a couple years ago where, you know, you saw a guy like Sam Bradford who came from a spread who never worked under center ever, was number one pick, and just sort of busted out with the Rams. And, and people were starting to say, oh, you want guys that, that, that you know, are natural under center, Jameis Winston being a number one pick in a pro-style offense. You know, but then you get guys like Goff that work a spread, and you get like Carson Wentz coming out of nowhere, you know, he's got a very mobile moves around. I would think as a quarterback, I would want to go to a pro-style offense where I can – I can work under center. I can do all the things when it comes to drops and timing that I want to do because learning a spread is easy compared to learning all those things once you get to the college level. So, um, you know, I, I would think that I would want to be in that type of offense. But, again, these kids all want to put up 5,000 yards. They all want to throw the ball every down. They all want to work in a spread where it's easy reads and get the ball out. Um, some of them don't want to work that hard, and, you know, maybe that's, that's what pushes them away from the pro-style offenses. What about the Big Ten in general? I mean, you look at what they've done with Meyer, Harbaugh, Mike Riley now at a lesser extent as far as the national exposure. Um, but this conference had 47 draft picks. The SEC had 51. Um, and a couple of years ago, that was not the case. I mean, they, they've really put themselves in that second position behind the SEC, but maybe with an edge in coaching and development in, in some areas. Well, I think it's also a, a new age in recruiting in the Big Ten. And I think you know, people don't want to give Urban Meyer much credit on anything, but he came into the Big Ten and he taught everybody how to recruit SEC style. And there were some complaints, you know, Bielema complaining, oh, you're poaching my kids in Wisconsin. It's like, listen, this is recruiting. All bets are off. You go after everybody until signing day, until they sign. And Urban Meyer brought that in. James Franklin comes in, an aggressive recruiter from the SEC. And then you have the success, you know, of a D'Antonio. And then you got the, the craziness of a Jim Harbaugh, um, you know, and a, and a good recruiter and a good developer, you know, like Mike Riley. And it makes everybody else step up their game. So now you see Iowa's number 12 in the current team ranking. How about that? It's, it's just it's good to see because they, were, they had a great season last year. Uh, they almost went to the playoffs, and they're taking advantage of that, and that's what you want. So the Big Ten, to me, like the, the divisions, when I rank them out, the SEC West, everybody says, is the number one division. Could be. You know, it's hard to bet against Alabama, you know, and the national championships that have come out of there. Uh, the Big Ten East is just loaded. And, and then what that does is it allows the Big Ten West – to, to step up their game a little bit, and you see an Iowa make a run. And Nebraska could be that team in a couple of years. I mean, Iowa can do it without a home recruiting base. 
you know, recruiting, spot recruiting different areas around the country. There's no reason Nebraska can't do that as well. So that's that's what I'm looking for, is somebody to emerge from that West uh, and surprise us all. Mike Riley, or Mike Riley, I called you. Mike Farrell, our <laughs> guest here on the Husker Online Show. Now, satellite camps have been a big topic of discussion as well. First of all, how many satellite camps will the legendary Mike Farrell be attending this year? Uh, you know what? <laughs> satellite camps are, you've been to them, Sean. I mean, they're, they're a bit of a mess. Um, there's NCAA restrictions on what you can and cannot do. Um, you know, interviewing kids, rosters aren't available. It's tough. So, you know, I'll be I'll be out there to a few of them, but there are 30, I believe, one every day in the state in the in the city of Atlanta, every day for the month of June. That's nuts. Like it. It's just it's oversaturated. Now I'm glad they brought him back for for a couple reasons. Uh, obviously, I think the, the the smaller programs, the non-power five, need an opportunity to evaluate and you know recruit and I'm doing air quotes here because you're not allowed to recruit at satellite camps but get to work with those kids and I think it does give the kids an opportunity uh, to get exposure and I think for programs like Nebraska listen Michigan doesn't need satellite camps okay Michigan's finishing the top 10 and so why do 29 or 30 of- well see this is the thing Harbaugh there's three parts to this I think a he's just a competitive eccentric individual he's kind of a troll too he's definitely trolling the NCAA he's saying okay you know, you, you, you wanted to cancel these, you didn't, I win, now I'm going to do 30 of them. He's trolling other coaches, saying no one can work harder than me, so he's trying to show off in that respect. Uh, I think it's for publicity as well. You know, obviously he wants everybody to be talking about Michigan every day, which is happening and working. And I think that the lesser part of it is evaluation and getting out to see some of the kids out there. Uh, but, you know, if you're Jim Harbaugh and you're at Michigan and you're taking, let's say, 50% of your kids from a satellite camp, you're not doing your job. You're just not because Michigan is a national product. You can recruit nationally anywhere. Um, so Michigan doesn't need satellite camps. Now, what he's doing is he's going to he's going to force the NCAA to regulate this by doing 30. He's overdoing it. So the NCAA is going to have to come in and say, OK, you're limited to three or whatever. And that hurts other programs. And that could be part of his strategy as well, because Nebraska, as you could see over the last you know, couple of years or at least last year, they reaped a lot of benefits from these satellite camps. So if Harbaugh, who doesn't need them, comes in and oversaturates it, he could very well be ruining it for everybody. I personally think if he loves satellite camps and he wants them to be around for a long time, do 9 or 10. Don't stick it in the face of the NCAA and force them to do some sort of uh, restrictive uh, measure, which is going to happen, I think. I mean, the Australia one. I mean, come on. (laughs) What's he looking for, punters? You know, and you know what? I guarantee you, and we was talking to Rob Cassidy, our Southeast guy, about that. He'll find some freak rugby player out there right who's like some muscled up maniac he'll put him at linebacker and maybe he'll turn out to be a great player and then the next thing you know everybody's in Australia you know looking for that one kid who doesn't exist so I just think it's overkill and and the problem I have is if you like satellite camps for exposure for kids Florida's doing one and not inviting any other coaches in Atlanta that's not for exposure for kids. That's just trying to get the highest level kids out to the camp so that they can coach them up. If you like satellite camps and you want the ability to get, have kids get exposure, what Jim Harbaugh is doing is irresponsible and it's going to force the NCAA to limit this. 
Well, Mike, it was great to see you here in Kansas City, and I know the Husker fans are going to continue to keep in touch with you over the course of this recruiting. They will. They love me. They love me on Twitter. When I go on the when I go on the Red Sea, it, it's always listen. If you ever want clicks, I can just go on there and say hi because it'll just blow up and everybody will tell me I'm horrible. I am. So uh, it's exciting. Exciting times for Nebraska, though. Remember when Marlon Lucky was being recruited and, and Dominican Sue and, and all those guys went down to San Antonio and you had a whole cheering section for him. I've never seen anything like that in my life. This fan base is the most rabid fan base that I've dealt with. Uh, out of any and and you know I, I want to see them have success in recruiting because it's so exciting uh, the fact that they hate me just makes it even more exciting well we'll have more here from Kansas City at the Rivals Camp Series you're listening here to the Husker Online Show you're listening to HuskerOnline.com your authority on Nebraska athletics well, you just heard from Rivals.com national analyst Mike Farrell here at the Kansas City Rivals camp. Let's bring in now the Midwest analyst Josh Hemholt, always a good friend of us at Husker Online here as we put a wrap on this Kansas City Rivals camp. Josh, obviously not big numbers camp-wise, but what were some of your big impressions of, of what you saw here at the Kansas City Rivals camp? The depth of the defensive line was definitely impressive today. I think the wide receiver group was impressive today, and there were some big names that we knew were going to show out, uh, but even some guys that may be surprised and and uh, kind of proved that they were worthy to be talked about among those big names. Yeah, this is kind of one of those camps I feel like you get that three-star guy that could become a four-star just because we never had an evaluation on him before. Yeah, I think the, the almost perfect example of that is Marquise Hayes, the offensive line MVP, who's ended up getting a five-star challenge invite to Atlanta. That He was not on our radar coming into this for a five-star challenge invite. We knew him. He's a high three-star. I mean, he's rated very well, uh, but he, def- he wasn't one of those guys that we thought was going to come out of here with a five-star challenge invite, and he dominated against a very good defensive line group and proved that, that he was the dude today. We're joined here by Rivals.com Midwest analyst Josh Hemmel, and as we put a wrap here on the Kansas City Rivals camp, Josh, a lot of Nebraska kids were here as well, 14 from the state. Uh, what were just some of your impressions of what you saw from that large group of Nebraska kids? Well, obviously the guy I was most kind of excited to see was Cameron Jurgens, a class of 2018 you know, linebacker commit. I'm sorry, tight end commit, and I said linebacker because he does look like a college linebacker. And I, I, I've I've talked with Nate, Nate Klaus, and I've talked a lot about this and. On film, I love him at linebacker. There's no doubt he's a very good tight end, but it'll be interesting to see how his career progresses and how his position uh, progresses over the next couple of years. He's a very talented prospect. He throws the shot about 65 feet, if you can believe that. Yeah, he, he, you can just tell. I mean, he walks out here and he's a, he's a, the first guy off the bus kind of a guy. He's, he's the guy you want to walk first off the bus and intimidate the other team. He looks the part from day one. It's been a while since Nebraska's had a four-star kid. I mean, we've had a lot of mid to high three-star kids. Last four-star was Josh Banderas. I mean, is, does Cam Jurgens have the makeup of a potential four-star guy when you kind of get into the next round of rankings? The, the talent is certainly there. The question for me is position. As a 6'3 tight end, the tight end position doesn't have the same value as he would as a 6'3 linebacker. So that's a question we're going to have to look at going forward. Um, 
I think as a linebacker, he's, he's a shoe-in for a four-star. As a tight end, we'll have to discuss him. Let's put him as an athlete and everybody wins. <laughs> I, I, I'm not against that. I just wish Nebraska would just recruit him as a linebacker because I really believe that's where his he's, – he's more rare as, at the linebacker position than he is at the tight end position. Some other guys, uh, Noah Vedrill just got an offer from Scott Frost in Central, Central Florida, three-sport athlete, kind of one of those guys that never can commit a lot of time to football. Uh, what, what have you seen from him, though, as, as he's kind of gotten some more offers in the last couple weeks? Yeah, and that's good to see. Obviously, we saw him last year at this event uh, that was held in – Fallon High School in Illinois by St. Louis area. Uh, so I've been watching him a while. I didn't get a chance to see him a lot today because I was focused mostly on the defense. Uh, but definitely a guy you're, you're happy to see get those offers come through. Uh, he's earned it. He's worked hard for it. What about just in general um, Nebraska's recruiting class? Let's talk more in specific of what you've seen from the Huskers. I mean, uh, what, what are your thoughts? Nine commits now for Mike Riley. They're in the top 15. Uh, what are your thoughts on just kind of the class Nebraska's put together this year? Well, it's important that Mike Riley, you know, found his his recruiting stride there at Nebraska. That's going to be tough. It's Everybody knows it's not as easy to recruit to Nebraska as it is to recruit to, say, Georgia or Florida State, you know, where there's a lot more talent in closer proximity. So what has he done? He's established a good pipeline out to California. That's important. And then he's trying to lock down the local talent. So uh, we saw Javon McQuitty out here. You know, obviously we've seen a lot of Javon, and, and I think today was kind of a rougher day just because he camped yesterday as well. But he's still a big physical, you know, good-looking wide receiver. Uh, the important thing is going to be making sure you get the top guys in the region that you want and then branching out to those areas like California and cherry-picking some of the bigger-name guys. Yeah, and for schools like Nebraska, the satellite camp thing was big to kind of keep this in play. They'll have a satellite camp again in Los Angeles, and that's a big area for them right now. And they'll be in Detroit at Sound Mind Body. Uh, everybody will be there in the world pretty much. But uh, those satellite camps for Nebraska and teams like that are huge. Definitely, more, much more so. Obviously, why doesn't the Southeast want it is because they have all the, the top talent in their region down there. So to get face time with kids is very important to build those networks, not just for now. I mean, when they go to Sound Mind, Sound Body, you know, you might meet a few coaches in Detroit. Maybe you don't get their kids in the 2017 class, but maybe they remember you when they have a kid come up in 2018 and 19 and 2020 and beyond. You've got a chance to get those top guys. So the ability to get more, you know, FaceTime with more of these guys is what is key for a program like Nebraska. And I forgot to ask you, we saw Matt Farniak watching today on the sidelines here in Kansas City as we talk with Josh Hemmelt. His younger brother, Will, I mean, not the biggest guy, but technically, I mean, pretty sound and, and held his own with some guys that were 50, 60 pounds bigger than he was. Yeah, and, you know, obviously the Farniak, his brother number four now, that's going to, you know, probably go and play Division One football. Uh, yeah, he's, he's young and he's small. He'll have to grow, but he's a Farniak, and so he will grow almost <laughs> Almost assuredly, we've seen all the other brothers, and they're all big guys. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch his development over the next few years. Yeah, Matt is one of those guys, too. That he came to this camp a couple years ago and kind of put his name on the map for you in Chicago. One MVP, offensive line MVP against a very good offensive line group up there. So, yeah, and then last year was at the five-star challenge. So, uh, yeah, Farniak's and, and the rivals camps kind of go hand-in-hand. All right, as we wrap it up here at Josh Hemmel, it's great to see you here in Kansas City, Josh. I know we'll see you in Atlanta as well at the Five Star Challenge. I look forward to it, buddy. Coming up next here on the Husker Online Show from Kansas City, we caught up with Nebraska's 2016 offensive line commit, Matt Farniak. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 
and welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, I'm live here at the Kansas City Rivals Camp, and uh, we're pleased to be joined by one of Nebraska's members of the 2016 recruiting class, Matt Farniak. First of all, you bring my flashbacks. I remember seeing you at this event a couple of years ago in Chicago. Um, yeah, it's just kind of a lot of fun to see the just different talent level of everyone that's just kind of competing and learning new things. It's just kind of it's a ton of fun to watch. You came here with your older brother, Tom. You guys are here supporting Will, who Nebraska has offered, by the way. Uh, what, how do you think your brother did in kind of his first big showcase camp? He did pretty good, especially for his first time ever really seeing this. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun just kind of see him grow and uh, learn how to play better, get better technique, and just see where he takes off from here. We're joined here by Matt Farniak on the Husker Online Show as we're at the Rivals Camp Series event in Kansas City. Um, your brother's a lot smaller, obviously, than you guys. I mean, how, how much bigger? I mean, he's, what, 245, 250 now. I mean, do you see him filling into a nice guard center, though, when it's all said and done? Oh, yeah. When he when he starts getting into, the like, more of his junior, senior year, he's going to be a lot bigger. Uh, he's, he's, on, he's on a good track right now to be a pretty big uh, interior guy. He's more like my older brother Tom, not quite as tall as me, but he's going to be—he's already bigger than what Tom was. So I think he's going to be a good fit on in the interior. Now you've gotten bigger, haven't you? I mean, are you, have you grown a little bit and gotten a little heavier over the last year? I might have grown like half an inch. I'm not really sure, but because um, I haven't really been paying attention to my height. But I've been—I think my weight has been pretty, uh, been pretty much the same. I think I just uh, started to get a little leaner now. You'll come to Nebraska in about a month. You'll be in Lincoln training with guys. First of all, who's, who's your roommates going to be? Are you and those linemen are going to stick together? Oh, yeah, all, all of us linemen, when we all uh, get to move into our dorms, we're all going to be moving in together. Uh, for the summer, though, I'll be staying uh, with Brian. How much do you like? I mean, there's a good core group of you uh, that will be coming in and all kind of from the same parts of the country in the Midwest. How, how excited are you to kind of build that bond with that group of linemen coming in? Oh, I'm super excited. I mean, Really, when we first met up, all of us got to meet each other at the spring game. We all just clicked instantly. So I'm really looking forward to meeting them and just actually being there and hanging out with them. Matt Farniak, our guest here on the Husker Online Show. When, when you look, Matt, at the tackle position in Nebraska, I mean, they only have a handful of guys on scholarship. I mean, they're really, they have the two starters, obviously, that have kind of emerged from the spring. Uh, but, what, I mean, really, what kind of opportunity is there for yourself to, to maybe get on the field and, and compete as a freshman and, and be a two-deep guy, potentially? Oh, I mean, it's it's there just like everyone else. I mean, I'm, if I want to get a spot like that, I'm going to have to keep working and continually get better. When you look at it, though, from playing time, how much did that factor in with your decision at Nebraska, kind of knowing that tackle was fairly thin there and, and you were going to get a really early opportunity to, to, to do something at a place like Nebraska? Um, I really didn't look at the how soon will I play or anything like that. It was more of a who's going to help me out the most and where will I feel the most comfortable at. Now, your brother is offered by Nebraska, offered by Iowa. He's got kind of those big Midwest offers already in the bag. Uh, what do you tell him in the process? Because obviously um, he's kind of got the two offers that you and your brothers all wanted at an early age already um, in his pocket. I mean, how does it, how, what's your advice to him right now? Just keep working and uh, don't get stressed out by it. He's the one that's in control and he can limit to how bad it gets. I mean, he's just got to continually realize that he's the one that's got the whole control and if it starts getting overwhelming just kind of like shove it back a little bit and relax. When did it get overwhelming for you because I mean the offers just started piling up and, and the fact that you held it till January I mean that really probably adds to the pressure. Really it was more when I got to the final three because I mean they're all I mean I couldn't go wrong and that was the biggest problem and then eventually I just 
Nebraska is where I wanted to really be. It's where I always kind of visioned myself when I just started thinking about it, like kind of like where would I want to be? It was always going back to Nebraska. And so then I just kind of knew. Because you were in Iowa and then uh, for a visit and then the Ferences were in Sioux Falls the next day. I think a lot of people led that to like, uh oh, I think Iowa's going to get Matt Farniak. I mean, even at that time, you knew it was Nebraska in your mind. Um, honestly, at that point, I wasn't completely sure. But then after I got to see, I kind of I got to see all three campuses on my official visit. I got to see Michigan State, Iowa, Nebraska, and then I just had to kind of think it over. And then that's when I knew. What What do you like about Mike Riley? And and you know he's in his first year. Obviously, they went six and seven, so it didn't go the way they want. But there's a lot of things he's doing and building that people have talked about. I mean, what what stood out to you? He's just a great guy, plain and simple. I mean, he truly cares about you. He doesn't really see us as just another athlete. He like he wants to get to know you. He wants to build a great relationship, and he wants to not just be a four-year relationship. He wants to be able to talk to me 10 years down the road, see what I'm doing, how I'm doing. i got to ask you, did he really teach a class in your high school or get up in front and, and lecture in one of your classrooms? Uh, yeah, he actually did. He talked. I, was, I wasn't in the classroom, but it was our head coach's classroom, and he went in there to talk for a little bit, and they ended up giving a quick little lesson. And so did people know who he was? I mean, obviously most people in Nebraska know the head football coaches, but sometimes the head football coach in Nebraska in Sioux Falls may not be as recognizable. And Coach Riley is not – I mean, he kind of blends in the crowd a little bit. I really don't think too many people notice because, I mean, he, he doesn't really look like he's a coach. But and he, I think some of these kids just thought it was a guy that just kind of came in and started talking. <laughs> A true or false, I heard that Mike Cavanaugh almost broke a coffee table in your living room because he jumped up and tried to give you a hug uh, right when you committed and made your announcement. He was so excited. Yeah, he almost left a pretty big dent in it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like about Cav, though? I mean, just the, 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 the emotion and, and the, the passion and everything that he brings. He truly cares, and he wants to be uh, make us the best that we can be. He doesn't want us just kind of, oh, this is, this is good enough. He, like, he wants it perfect, and he wants it the best. As we wrap it up here with Matt Farniak on the Husker Online Show, having two brothers, one that's played at Oklahoma and one at Iowa State, um, when you look at line coaches too, I mean, was that something you could talk to them more about, like what kind of line coach would be a good fit in college? Yeah, I mean, because that's really the guy that I'm going to be spending a lot of time with, and I want to make sure that I get along really well with them along with the strength coach. And, I mean, that's just kind of how it was. I got along great with Cav and along with the entire strength uh, staff, so I was just really excited. And your brother Tom is a strength coach now at Houston, right? Uh, correct. And so I'm sure he – does he has he worked with you a lot in the weight room? Um, yeah, he um, he early on in that would kind of, like, help, like, when I was in the off-season training. Like, he kind of helped me out, like, modify a workout for me to make it a little harder so I can get more out of it. Well, Matt Farniak, it was uh, great to catch up with you here in Kansas City. We're looking forward to seeing you in Lincoln as you start your Husker career. Oh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. All right, when we come back, it's been a big week for Nebraska basketball as well. We'll get Robin Washett's take on the latest addition to this Husker roster to close the show. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, we've talked plenty of football, but we got to give Robin some time for basketball on this show as it has been a, a great week for Tim Miles and, and kind of just solidifying this 2016-2017 season. It started, Robin, 
um, early in the week. Nebraska gets a commitment uh, from Rivals 150 center Jordy Schmanga. This is the long-eluded big man that Nebraska just has not been able to get um, really since maybe Alex March. Yeah, and is a big reason why this was such a celebrated uh, commitment. Not only because it finally fills that big man void, but this was a recruitment process that was three years in the making, dating back to when Kenya Hunter first went out there and identified Jordy, who was a 6'10", 330-pound kid that had never played organized basketball before. And he saw the potential, uh, and saw the type of player that he could become, and never stopped working at him. And there were other teams that jumped in late in the process, including UNLV, who got involved in the final weeks. Uh, but that relationship that Coach Hunter and Tim Miles uh, brought uh, with Jordy uh, really was the difference. I mean, the, the playing time was available at all three schools, whether it was UNLV, Minnesota, or Nebraska. Um, you know, there, there really wasn't much of a separation there, but it was the family atmosphere that Nebraska offered, you know, not only with the relationship with Coach Hunter and Tim Miles, but with the players, too. When Jordy was here on his visit, he hit it off right away with the guys currently on the roster and uh, just really felt at home. And uh, I got to give a shout-out to Tim Miles' son, Gabriel. Uh, they spent a lot of time with Jordy on his visit, played some horse, played some video games, and uh, those two hit it off right the away. Ace in the hole. Yeah, and that, that literally was the wild card. Both Jordy and his older brother said that, that, uh, you know, that was one of the things Jordy called uh, his older brother, Yannick, uh, who was handling his recruitment and said, you know what, I, I just, this Gabe kid, man, I, I just, we hit it off right away. This this might be the difference. And so hats off to Tim Miles' son who already landed his first commitment at nine years old. Hey, who needs the the pretty hostesses taking these guys around <laughs> when you got nine-year-olds like Tim Miles, that's a great story. And, it, you know, you, you look at it now, Robin, what, what are your expectations? When I know a lot of people are going to think this guy's going to start day one. Is he a day one starter or is he a day one, like, seven-man rotation guy? Right. Well, he's I mean, he's going to play no matter what, whether it's in the starting lineup or first guy off the bench. He's going to give him, like, 25 minutes. On the, on the high end, what's going to determine it is where his conditioning is. You know, obviously, he's put in a ton of work. Like I said, you know, three years ago, he was upwards around 330 pounds. Now he's down to 270. So he's shed 60 pounds wow. of, of bad weight to, to completely reshape his frame. But he's still a work in progress. There's no doubt about it. And so we'll see. Uh, you know, how ready he is to play high-level college basketball. I mean, there, that's a big jump regardless, let alone for a kid who is, you know, still kind of, you know, transforming his body. So that'll play a big role. Um, but, you know, like I said, I think you're easily looking at, you know, around 15 minutes a game uh, without question, just because, you know, he's the only guy over six foot eight on the roster. Um, he's He is that missing link. But as far as starting lineups, and I was asked about this on our message board, um, earlier this week, I think what it's going to come down to is probably a matchup-based situation. Um, you know, against smaller teams, they might lean more towards last year's lineup. We have Michael Jacobson as the five. Just and to, Ed, hopefully Ed Morrow will be. Oh, yeah, Ed Morrow. Hopefully he stays healthy because if he can, uh, he's going to be a huge boost. So the good news is Nebraska actually has options now. And so when they face bigger teams, you can bet Jordy uh, Schmanga is going to play a whole bunch of minutes. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we close this show off, talking some Husker basketball and recruiting. And, you know, you look at next year, Robin, with Schmanga now on board and, and the players they returned, but still – 
questions about Andrew White. Yep. You know, what are your thoughts? Well, it's coming down to the wire here. You know, May 25th is that deadline for when he has to make a decision, and uh, he's going to take every single day and probably every single minute possible to, to make sure that he makes the right decision for himself. So uh, it's certainly a, a stressful situation for Nebraska. I mean, as a coaching staff, you don't know if you're going to have one available scholarship or two this late in the process. And so, you know, and that's that's certainly unnerving. Uh, but, you know, for what, what Tim Miles has said publicly all along is, you know, we're going to help Andrew make the best decision for him. You know, obviously it puts us in a tough spot, but the goal is to, to help the kids. And, um, you know, certainly when your worst case scenario is putting a kid, you know, in the NBA – that's not a bad problem to have. So uh, I think what going forward, he's going to continue to take his workouts. I know he had a bunch scheduled for this week. Uh, we'll see kind of what type of feedback he gets from those. And I honestly think that, that what he hears from those NBA teams is going to dictate what he does with his final decision here. You know, a lot gets made about maybe having that one open scholarship right now. And is that a bad thing? But isn't it pretty normal for a lot of the major programs to kind of be in this situation just because of the way of the attrition in the game right now? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously not ideal just because, you know, with a team like Nebraska, you need all the help you can get. Uh, and so to have scholarships essentially going unused, you know, um, it's it's not the best case scenario. But I still think that there's a per plenty of time for a transfer to come in here. I mean, you know, keep in mind, this thing goes all the way up until August. So, I mean, they have an entire summer here to find a guy, host some people on visits, and just, I mean, get a fifth-year guy that's going to come in and be basically a one-year Band-Aid. And then, you know, you have that scholarship available for next season. Uh, and so you, it's really kind of a, a, a no-brainer, in my opinion. So uh, now that they have Jordy on board, I think they can really start to kind of take that next step in the recruiting plan. Um, you know, they, they know that they at least have just one scholarship, potentially two, uh, and then they can narrow down the list of guys that they really want to target here as, uh, as far as the transfer market Yeah, goes. you know, like ideally, you look, Robin, Nebraska has three quality frontline guys now that you could trot out in Big Ten plays with Ed Morrow, assuming he's healthy, Jacobson, and, and now Schmanga, mm -hmm. and, and they just haven't had that type of quality, you know, right. in, in those positions. Well, I think, you know, ideally, or so if, assuming they have just the one, I wouldn't surprise me one, but if they get one more grad big, the grad transfer big man, uh, just to provide just, just some, like, like that Georgetown guy a couple years exactly, ago. Exactly. A guy that can just be a body because there's no question that you cannot make it through an entire Big Ten season with one center. I mean, as good as Michael Jacobson is, we saw, you know, the, the problems he had going against, you know, Big Ten front courts. So they need to get some guy that can just provide some depth because, you know, injuries happen, fouls happen. Uh, you know, you got to have a little more than just one big body in there. So I think that is probably the number one plan is to bring in a center that can come in and contribute right away. And if, you know, Andrew ends up going on to the NBA and they have another spot, look for a guard uh, to come in, maybe even a traditional transfer that has to sit out another year like a James Palmer Jr. Uh, just because you look down the road, I mean, that, that backcourt is going to have some turnover here. Uh, that they're going to need to get some replacements for. Now, would you think, though, with the graduation transfer guys, it could play out in August? Because oh, yeah. when you look at the sport of basketball, no knock on basketball, you don't see a lot of guys on the fast track of graduation. So the summer school calendar is probably pretty big for a lot of grad transfers. Yes, and keep in mind, I mean, Andrew White didn't even commit till August. So, I mean, I, it's a little different because Nebraska had been recruiting him for a long time. And as he's doing with his NBA decision, you know, he took uh, all the time he wanted to make that uh, transfer decision in Nebraska. So, I mean, this thing can, you know, there's there's no set schedule 
uh, all the way up until the start of the fall semester. That's really the deadline. I mean, you can go all the way till the week before school starts uh, to, to find a guy. Uh, so like you said, you know, there's the start of the first five-week session in June, uh, and then the second week, five-week session in July. Uh, so, I mean, those are kind of the, the academic uh, calendar, um, you know, things to watch uh, for, for, for when they might bring a guy in. But uh, again, I think now that they have Jordy in place, they can really start to kind of narrow in on the types of guys they're looking for. And uh, maybe we'll start to hear more about potential targets and visits. Well, lots to talk about in Husker basketball. Robin, great job um, in covering the Schmanga recruiting news. I know you were really at the forefront of, of, of following this story for the last several months. Yeah, it was a long time coming. And, uh, you know, when I was had my alarm go off early Monday morning, I was really hoping that it was, you know, going to be you know, a payoff, you know, because there was a lot of time spent talking about him, certainly over the last few years. <laughs> well, that puts a wrap here on this special edition of the Husker Online Show. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 